Hello, everyone. We are back after a week off. Welcome to the ATL Sports HQ live show, the show for the fans, by the fans, episode 22. I'm Phil Weasley, better known as underscore ATL Phil on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek Clemens. Clark Morrison at ATL Crap Sandwich. I'm Brett Anderson and at Brett underscore A27. Yes, that man is driving, and he does have horses in the back. He's headed to the the farm right now. We tried to give him an extra 15 minutes, but we had to go on. But (laughs) thanks for joining us here this evening. Make sure you check out our site, atlsportshq.com, and also find us on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, um, we're also on iTunes and anywhere that podcast can be found. Make sure you upvote us and uh, subscribe, give us five stars, and let, let your friend know about us. You know, tell us, spread the word. And also, come join us. We're looking for writers. Uh, we're looking for people to come guest on this very show here. And any suggestions or anything you think that uh, we could do better, let us know. So we're definitely looking for you to come join. Come join us. Let's, uh, let's build this into the empire for Atlanta sports. Also, we're going to be having a little three-on-three tournament coming up in June. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I'll have more information on that this coming week. I know I said that like three weeks ago, but for real this time, <laughs> I will have some more on that this week. But let's jump right into it. The Final Four is going on this weekend and the championship game tomorrow. Virginia survived yesterday. 63-62 in a controversial finish. Um, Auburn's magical run came to an end. Uh, it was, was kind of, yeah, we see Clark, he's not too happy about this. But it was a controversial and uh, questionable foul call. I thought it was clearly a foul at the end. But there was also the double dribble or not. But let's go around the horn. Did you guys think that was a foul at the end? Let me start. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was. I in my yeah, that was definitely a foul. Um, he never gave him room to land, and then he hit his leg. And he never. Uh, Kyle Guy never stuck his uh leg out and initiated the contact. So it was definitely a foul. But they did miss that double, double dribble, which really cost them. And I know Clark's going through it with him being an Auburn fan. So let's see what he has to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I uh, there there was people at Tumor's Corner re- ready to roll the trees, fully in the thought that we had just won the game. They had no idea. They ran out. <clears throat> they 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 went to go do the thing, and they found out later that not only was the game not over because the foul was called, but we also lost by one point, and that, that that's a devastating a loss as you can take. And and I'll tell you. The, the foul call at the end, 100%. I mean, by the letter of the law, that's a foul. The, the, the explanation by Gene Steratore at the end of the game on why and how that's called, I mean, the ref is standing right there, um, is because when he went to contest the shot, his feet didn't land back in the immediate vicinity of where he you know, kind of lifted off the court or whatever. He went forward into the guy and initiated contact, and that's foul. And I get that. The one that burned me was like 
clearly in the backcourt, the ball went off his foot. He picked it up and initiated the dribble again. That's a double dribble. It's cut and dry. Like, I don't – that's the one that bothered me. Like, you know, but at the same time, the difference in this game, uh, obviously I, I had the roller coaster of emotions. Uh, I'm, I'm over it now. Auburn played their asses off. So did Virginia. And the difference in this game was just Virginia had the last possession there. And, you know, we missed uh, – we, we were one of two in a, in a – critical free throw situation uh, with Parker, one of our best free th free throw shooters. And uh, Kyle got nailed all three of them. And I give him kudos, man. I, there's no more of a bigger pressure cooker you can be in uh, as a collegiate athlete than to be standing on the line there uh, and making all three of your free throws gives your team the lead with 0.6 seconds remaining. So, you know, kudos to them. And uh, I hate to tell them they're about to get housed by Texas Tech, but I don't know that they're going to be able to survive Texas Tech. If they thought Auburn was a struggle, they're going to be in for some real hurt with Texas Tech because, I mean, if we'd have just shot the ball better, we would have been fine, but we couldn't get the three, and we were down Okiki, So, And he's he's our biggest inside presence. So, I mean, um, kudos to both teams. It's a hell of a game. Great coaching. Um, great defense. Everything was contested. Everything was difficult. It was whoever's going to have the last possession is going to have the game, and, and it sure it came down to that. Uh, with a one-point loss there uh, in Minnesota, I think they were playing. So. Yeah, not only did he sink those free throws in a very contentious environment, it wasn't a regular, you know, 15,000, 20,000 uh, people basketball stadium. This is in a in the middle of a 70,000-seat football stadium where your depth perception is greatly thrown off, too. So shout-out to him for making those big free throws. But, yeah, hey, absolutely. Hey, you know – he didn't even have a good night. Yeah. Jerome is the one that stepped up for them and really had a great night. And it, he, he, he really um, uh, took advantage of the mismatch. Auburn couldn't find a defender for, for Jerome because of his length. And, you know, we have shorter point guards. Uh, Parker, you know, they, they just could not defend him. And he took advantage of that. And, I mean, like I said, kudos to them. Um, and then Kyle Guy – that. Look, I'll tell you what, man. That corner three was a killer, too, that, that guy drained uh, in the waning seconds there. It reminded me of the Nova win uh, from a couple years ago. So, yeah, I mean, it was just <laughs> – damn, it was a tough one, man. It was. It's hard. I, I'm still dealing with it right now. Fantastic basketball game down the stretch. Um, but I, I definitely – like I said, it was definitely a foul. But, you know, you hate to see um, – you hate the what if to come up because – what if they did call that double dribble? You know, we could be talking about a totally different situation here. You know, in the future. But maybe. you know what? Though? That that's always going to happen in basketball because of the way that the last couple of seconds go. I mean, ten seconds in a basketball game is thirty minutes. Sometimes yeah. it's just ridiculous. You could take a timeout like we did in between his uh, second and third free throw attempt. I mean, that's another thing. Kudos to him again, like coming back from a TV timeout to drain the last one. I, I don't. I'm, I don't know that I could do that. I mean, and you know, free throws are free. I don't shoot like Shaq or anything, but like, nah, I don't know I can make that. In the future, I might want to see some kind of coaches challenge uh, that they're able to do in the last you know, minute or so, especially when you're talking about a game of this magnitude and there's a when there's a clear missed call like that. I don't know. Let, let me ask you a question. How do you feel yeah. about? How do you feel about? Uh, men's basketball moving to four quarters by two halves, and I then mean, doing like you said, the one minute for each one. Why not? I mean, why not? 
I mean, the women's college game moved. I thought it moved really uh, smooth. It looked great. Yeah. Um, high school, I don't know about other states. I know Georgia's four quarters. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking most are four quarters. Yeah. So, speaking of Georgia high school basketball, please let me know that shot clock. But uh, that's all another story. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, it can get tough sometimes. But, you know, it just a what a what a roller coaster. What a roller coaster there at the end. You know, it looked like both teams had it sealed uh, in the last three minutes at different points. But uh, Brett, you're rolling through the rolling through the woods. We got you here. I, I am for real in the woods if y'all can still hear me. <laughs> it, what's your thing? Was that a foul there at the end? Yeah, it was a foul. There he goes. Oh man, the horse is gone. Just let him play. <laughs> we'll come back to you after after you get through the woods. Well, yeah, let him play in that situation. All right. But uh, so that leaves us with two out of the sixty-eight team field. The last two standing are the Red Raiders and Virginia. The Red Raiders, of course, took care of Sparty sixty-one fifty-one. It was a quiet game for Hawks potential drafty. Um, Jarrett Culver, he only had 10, 5, and 2. Matt Mooney led the way with 22. I personally wasn't able to catch this game, but uh, I don't know. Were you able to, Derek? What stood out for you? Uh, yeah, I, I actually saw the tail end of it. Um, like you said, Culver did. He struggled throughout, just all the way throughout. But, I mean, he still had a big impact on the defensive end, which is what I like a lot about his game. Michigan State did a good job shutting him down. Yeah, they definitely they focused did. on him and tried to take him out of the game. But Mooney, man. Yeah, it just – to me, I think the biggest impact was just Texas Tech's length on the defensive end. They just kind of overmatched him, and Michigan State could really never get going. They made a few runs, and, I mean, it was close throughout, and then Texas Tech kind of just ran away with it at the end. But the defense of Texas Tech is, I mean, it's, it's very legit. good. And then they can also score the ball. And, I mean, they did it without Cover. And, I mean, him having another off night is not really likely. So, they're going to be a tough team to beat for Virginia. I think Michigan State kind of showed the only way that you have a chance against Texas Tech apparently in this tournament <clears throat> is to do what they did to Culver, um, try to take him out of the game and make somebody else beat you. Uh, but the game that Mooney had, I mean, the dude couldn't miss. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard it on multiple different avenues, radio, TV, um, they were saying the 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 the, go, the basketball goal was just too big for him, and uh, everything was dropping. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things, man. And Texas Tech's defense, like if if you have seen any Auburn games and you thought Auburn's defense is good, Virginia's in for a, a world of difference when it comes to Texas Tech. They're taller, they're bigger, they're more athletic, and they never quit. Full court press all day. Yeah, so who who y'all got? Um, tomorrow night, Virginia or Texas Tech? I personally, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Texas Tech. Yep, I got Texas Tech too. Virginia just went through too much trouble with Auburn. I think they wore themselves out to get to the end of that one. I don't think they're gonna have I don't think they're gonna have enough left for the Red Raiders and and how suffocating their defense is. Uh, yeah, I got Texas Tech. They Texas Tech might win the whole thing. I, I got to go the other way. I think Virginia's going to pull it off. I think the teams that usually end up winning the national championship usually go through those struggles. And, I mean, you've seen they got the foul call at the end of that game. And then to get to the Final Four against Purdue, 
they got that crazy put back after the that one throw. was nuts so i mean stuff like that stuff's falling into their favor so i think they're going to be able to pull it out even though i'd much rather see texas tech win because i want to see jericho over be successful yeah brett who you got monday night uh, if y'all can still hear me but i got virginia too i pretty much the same thing it was there it just seemed de- virginia just seems destined to win it this year so i'm going virginia yeah, I think I've never really been, you know, Virginia's been pretty quality for the last several years. I've just I've never been a big believer in them. I don't like their system. I know they say defense wins championships, but I, I just I don't, I don't I don't enjoy watching them play. Well, so. they purposefully move the ball slower than any other team in college. Like right. Uh, what are there like 183 teams or some ridiculous number like that men's basketball in college? About 383. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And they are ranked number one for the slowest as far as, like, ball movement and how much time they eat per shot clock, I guess, attempt or whatever. And uh, it's not even close, apparently. So, yeah, I mean, it's just their brand of basketball is not necessarily fun to watch. But, I mean, uh, I got more than I wanted uh, uh, this weekend. So, um, I guess part of me just really wants to see them lose now because I just uh, – I don't know. I mean, if Kyle Guy gets hot, they they can easily um, outshoot Texas Tech's defense because Texas Tech kind of keeps you on the perimeter and tries to make, make them beat, beat them with, uh, you know, bad – poor percentage shots. And I don't know. It's going to be a good game, but I, I, I really do think Texas Tech might give them all they can handle. I think the biggest thing that for if for Virginia to win, I think uh, DeAndre Hunter has to step up. I mean, he, he really hasn't game. he really hasn't played well all tournament. I mean, he's kind of been MIA, and I mean Kyle Guy's been the leading force, and I mean I think Kyle Clark Guy, too. Clark's been good at pushing yeah, he, the ball. He has been moving it on the floor, yeah. offense, and I mean for his size, he still can play solid defense, and he has doesn't he's not really much of a liability at the college level yet, but. I think Hunter will be the impact for Virginia. I think uh, Jared Culver has to have a great game for the for Texas Tech to have any chance in the world. Currently, ESPN has Virginia favored by one point, and they have the over-under set at 118. Um, yeah, it was guys, 120 this morning. Yeah. Do you guys think either team will, will hit 60? Hmm. I think, yeah, I think, I think it will be in the 60s. I think both teams will have 60s. I think it will be an ending about probably like 65 to 60, something around those lines. Yeah, I think it'll be very close to the to the total score from the Virginia Auburn game, right around 63 a person. I don't know who has maybe it maybe like Derek said 65, 61 somewhere around there. Maybe even another one point game. Um, yeah. I'm going to take the under. <laughs> I'm going to go with 55-52 uh, Texas Tech winning. Who are some X factors for you guys? Yeah, like I said, uh, DeAndre Hunter, I mean, I think he has to step up. And then, obviously, Cover for Texas Tech, I mean, he has to be the guy that does it all for him, really. I mean, they have they have very good pieces on that team. So yeah. they definitely need other guys to step up. And they have throughout the tournament, too. And, I mean, their defense is really the X factor, keeping Kyle Guy in check, making sure he doesn't get hot. Because if he gets hot, it's, it's hard to stop him. I think, uh, for me, 
looking at the matchup, it's more the playmakers on either side are going to kind of cancel each other out. So for me, I think the X factor is really the bench play. And the Red Raiders have had really good bench play throughout this tournament so far. Uh, Virginia's had pretty good bench play too. Not not on display against Auburn. Um, but uh, I think I think bench plays the X factor and probably gets the job done. So whoever ends up winning has a has better play off the bench. And uh, on to our brackets. Ooh, I hope you guys' brackets are doing better than mine. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. I don't know. I think I mean I might be in last place in our ACL <laughs> bracket, which is actually I think we have a winner. I don't think anybody can catch him. Um, he has Virginia winning, so of course yeah. if Virginia, he's the only guy in the whole in the whole uh, challenge with Virginia winning. Uh, Mr. Ken Pond, I'm not sure who exactly that is, but he might be having some Braves tickets headed his his way. But, yeah, my bracket is absolutely horrible. I had Duke in all four of mine, and then the one I put in my competitive one was completely, I think, since the round of 32, completely went off the rails. <clears throat> I don't, does anybody have a good bracket hanging around? No. I mean, I had Virginia in my final four, and that's about it, but I had them losing. Yep, same here. I think in my work group challenge one, I have Virginia – making it to the final but i had them losing to duke of course i had i had them losing to north north carolina in the final four and yeah it got me screwed i just really didn't see it coming from virginia and like (laughs) they've been put on display a couple of different times where they may should have lost i mean even even in the one versus 16 matchup they were playing awful and they were getting exposed they were having really bad situational turnovers they were just playing like like freshmen almost, and um, you know they are they are a, a, an upper class team. They're not all seniors or anything like the Mercer Bears from a couple years ago that went way too far. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. I just I keep waiting for Virginia to fail. I guess, and uh, I, I think know. once they got through that hump of the six playing the sixteen seed, and I mean a little the little scare that they had. They got that out of their head after they won, and I think they kind of like turned it around and flipped the switch. I honestly just just to go back to Auburn for one more second to give them a little bit more love. I cannot believe they got through Kansas, Duke, and UNC in back to back to back games. Yeah, that's like they, murderers row, and they destroyed them too. Ninety on 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 uh, Duke beat the hell out of UNC. Had their way. I mean, it was just. Uh, Ah, it's just a hard pill to swallow. I saw a very interesting rumor. I don't think it had any legitimacy or anything like that. But I saw a rumor that Zion said he had unfinished business at Duke and wanted to come back. Now, I don't believe this whatsoever. Do any of y'all think there's any chance in hell that Zion Williamson comes back for a second year at Duke? No, hey, there's not a chance. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely gonna be rumors. I mean, because he he's shown his love of playing college basketball at Duke. I mean, he's preached it, but nah, there's no way. What would he gain from it? I mean, yeah, like you yeah, said, exactly. I, I get he said something about unfinished business or whatever, but it's not like he's gonna graduate with a degree in two years, so that's not gonna do anything. And what if you know? I mean, <laughs> RJ's still going. 
<laughs> so they're going to have to rebuild that team. I mean, Zion's one you want to build a team around for sure, and that helps on the recruiting uh, aspect of things. But no, nah, I, I don't. I don't think there's any uh, credence to that rumor. Is Brett back? Yeah, I'm here. I think, yeah, I think there's a chance to come burning out tonight than Zion Williamson suiting up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think he's coming back, Brett? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't know. I forget what the number is for number one pick, but when he get that thrown at you, he's going to be guaranteed number one pick. So you just can't turn that down. Like Clark said, he has nothing to gain for from a personal standpoint. Not only that, I bet he's going to have a LeBron-sized um, Nike deal coming his mm-hmm. way, too. Oh, they're throwing a bag at him. Honestly, I mean, that bag probably was already thrown at him a few years ago, but you know, they got to keep that on the hush. <laughs> <laughs> there was some, some rumors coming out. I, for, I forget who reported it, but uh, – Avenatti. Yeah. Michael Avenatti. Yeah. I never really got a chance. Oh, really oh my God. Arrested. He's trying to bring down – College basketball as a whole and Nike. Clout chasing, in my opinion. Hopefully, next time we see Zion, it's in an Atlanta Hawk uniform in Summer League. So mm-hmm. hey, let's pray on that. <laughs> Speaking of our Hawks, um, the Hawks have had some decent times since last time we were with you. Actually, it's been about two weeks we were with you, but we'll pick it up from last Sunday. Uh, Trey Young hit another buzzer beater um, to beat the Bucks in overtime. Man, I mean, what what can you say about Trey Young? You know, he's probably honestly, you know, he's probably not going to win Rookie of the Year. But what a fine season! Record after record, most like most thirty ten games, or seventh most um, ten assist games as a rookie. Just incredible numbers for for the rookie. And in any other year, pretty much he'd be runaway Rookie of the Year. But we have to tip our cap to the guy Luka Doncic in Dallas, who I'd say probably that that slow that slow uh, November probably did Trey in. It's just not enough to to get him that rookie of the year nod. But also this uh, week, Knox had another good showing against another playoff team on the road in San Antonio. We now haven't won there since nineteen 19- 97 and somehow i don't even think that's the longest uh losing streak on the road to the spurs in the league <laughs> and then a masterful team performance wednesday versus philadelphia once again beating another playoff team and once again another 30 and 10 game for mr trey young and then we went to disney world on Friday and wasn't there a hurricane stop the game? I don't wasn't know. It, something <laughs> happened. There was no, it wasn't good. It needed to be a hurricane, a hurricane of drinks to drown to drown <laughs> that court side. Man, I think I might have jinxed us, you know, prior to the game because I, of course, I was down there in Orlando. But prior to the game, I had a little fun. I was like, you know, um. Do they do magic fans refer to this as the house that Dwight built? <laughs> because, you know, that, that arena opened up during Dwight Howard's prime and Dwight Howard kind of put them on the map after Zach and you know, uh, Tracy McGrady and all the great plays the Magic have had in their history. Hardaway. Hardaway. So I'll tell you this, boy, the Magic got the last laugh on multiple levels. <laughs> the Magic mm-hmm. 
won 149 to 113, broke all kinds of magic franchise records. Man, it brought back memories of the Mike Woodson day. Do you guys remember when every time we would go to Orlando, when we had Mike Woodson, we would lose by like 40, quite oh, yep. have 30 and 25, mm -hmm. and uh, the magic would hit like 25 threes and various in the first half. Well, it made them all look like all stars. <laughs> it was it was kind of like that, uh, and also the magic had a little fun at my expense as I was there by myself with a Hawks jersey. So during the <laughs> they thought it would be funny to play the song all by myself and display me on the jumbotron all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna get that of you know I've been memified by this show a few times so we're gonna let you guys decide on the atl sports hq twitter which is the better meme so head to that page right now and tell us which which meme is better it's <laughs> <laughs> all funny games you know but they could have gave me a little shout out or a little magic shirt or something for for my pain but i, I guess i guess the uh the game was pain enough but shout out to the magic they have a nice arena uh so what what went wrong that game? Because you know the Hawks have been playing good for months now. That was our first blowout, I think, since since um I want to say January fourth uh, versus Milwaukee in a game that was very similar. So what what went wrong Friday, Derek? Everything. No, I, mean, yeah, I was gonna say you'd have I, a you had to have a shorter <laughs> show if you asked what went right. Because I mean, I, was anything good from the game? I mean, that Justin Anderson move was good. I mean, that's, that's about it. That's all I can really remember. That was I think remotely. Phil's face is in the back of that. Like, oh, he's like standing oh, yeah. up. Yeah, you see him standing yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. video. Video, You can't see me in that video. But yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just all around bad. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, really surprising it hasn't happened more frequently this season. I mean, it happened to us. I mean, I guess not to that longitude, but it happened a lot to us last season. I mean, we got blown out a lot, but. I mean, it just happens, and I mean, hey, we just secured uh, the fifth spot in the mm -hmm. lottery, so it is what it is. That's what we needed, so they did what they had to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, the Magic came out. They weren't playing any games. They nope. wanted to lock up that playoff spot. I don't think they've quite locked it up yet. No, they haven't. Very close. Mm. They they looked like a playoff team to me. <laughs> they were the ball, they were shooting it with ease. They were defending. You know, the the Hawks just, you know, they got down, they got down, uh, like twenty seven to seven by the first six minutes. And it was just, you know, yeah, they yeah. They ended the first the first quarter. They ended uh, the Magic were up forty two to eighteen. That pretty much paints the rest of the picture for you. They they didn't have the energy that night to get back in, and you know, there's gonna be nights like that. Even good teams have nights like that. Thankfully, the Magic didn't hit one fifty because I might have walked out of there on a stretcher if they did. <laughs> I mean, really? Well, I mean, yeah. The Magic have they've pretty much dominated us all season. I mean, they won yeah. all four matchups, and they really haven't been that close. I mean, I think there was one game where we played them close to the end, but they really have just dominated throughout the season. They had yeah, they, three guys. They had three guys on their team with twenty-five points. You know that that you can't let that happen. The Hawks can't. They they played no defense, none whatsoever. And if you ever listen to an interview um, with Andy Demetra on um, uh, Josh Pastner, 
Defense takes athleticism, okay? Offense is what takes all the skill. Defense just takes athleticism and effort, and we didn't put any of those two things into that game uh, <clears throat> against the Magic, and that's why we lost. Uh, on a side note, uh, Vucevic is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and the Hawks definitely need a number five. That dude is a double-doubles machine, and he's athletic, and he can move. Uh, he also shoots a perimeter three a little bit better than Al Horford. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know what the Hawks are going to do. There's like a lot of options on the table for me. I think, Phil, you and I kind of talked a little bit about unpopular opinions when it comes to the Hawks. And, you know, I told you, I said, look, I'm going to drop one on you right now. Unpopular opinion, blow it up. If you got a chance to trade John Collins and get rid of Miles Plumley, get rid of Bays and those contracts, and you can definitely get Zion Williamson in the draft, I say do it. Blow it up. I don't care. Uh, I'll take Trey Young and Zion as the next thing that drives me crazy and just puts butts in the seats. And then you go got, go pick up like a free agent. Now that you got Zion, you got a huge draw, brand new arena. I mean, they can say what they want about fan bases. Uh, T-Mac needs to shut his mouth, but um, Atlanta has a fan base, and people want to see a, a good team. That goes anywhere. Uh, if you're winning, you're going to get more butts in the seats. If you're losing, not so much. And you see that in any team, in any sport, given the season, in any in any state in the United States. So, um, you know, that's that's just the way I feel. If if the options are there, I, I I go back to what I said the last time I was on the show, and I trust Schlenk to make the right decision given his available options. If those options are not on the table, and he definitely will not get Zion, or you know, uh, it would it would be more to trade or something like that, then yeah, okay, don't do it. But I trust his judgment in that situation, not to just hang on to something because it worked this year. Yeah. Um. We just, it's going to be a very interesting summer. Yeah, I really, I'm really excited and curious, anxious almost to see what happens, man. I can't wait till July 1st. Well, not even July 1st. I can't wait till June 22nd, 3rd, whenever they have the draft this year. Uh, it's know. a good feeling though, right? I mean, to be like uh, this close. Yeah, I haven't felt this way since the, the summer of, there was another summer we were kind of excited. I think summer of third, whichever year we took the Pacers to seven. I was excited for that summer. Of course, that summer was that thirteen. Yeah, I believe it was thirteen. Brett, what are your thoughts? I actually I missed a game, but it's about looking at the stats. I first thing that caught my eye was a three point shoot from both teams. I mean, Maddox shot nearly 50%, and we shot, was it 25% or something like that? And we shot 39 threes, only made 10. So that's the one thing that stood out to me. But I saw Trey Young, I don't know how it looked from a fan standpoint, but numbers-wise, he had a decent little night. But that's about all I can say from the game. Yeah, Derek, did you catch that one or were you out and about? Uh, I mean, I turned it off after I seen – I turned it off about the first quarter. And I checked back in, and I, I looked at it a little bit, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to watch this uh, Thunder and Pistons game. I'm okay. telling you, there was nothing to be excited. You know, I had a few good conversations with the man next to me. Uh, he was actually – he was a Heat fan, so he was hoping the Hawks would win. Oh, yeah. So, so he didn't have a very good night either. <laughs> but we yeah. were in the, yeah. the free food and drinks nights, so, hey, who really would? 
But um, speaking of the Atlanta Hawks, we just fell one one fifteen one oh seven to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, don't ask me how it was that close. I have no clue. I just know that I did not agree with the decision to sit Trey Young and John Collins today, especially Trey Young. Uh, he had the chance to to go for an 82-82, which is rare, very rare these days in the NBA, let alone by a rookie. And then also that rookie had uh, questions about his um, durability. Now you have this man, you have Trey Young has been thrown around, fouled hard all season, and he's still been able to play 30 minutes every night, give you 20 and 10 every night. So I really I, I don't I, I don't agree with the decision. There wasn't too much at stake. I don't want to hear the pick, the pick, the pick. Uh, the magic number for the pick was down to one. Dallas had three games left. We had two games left. They would have had to lose out. We would have had to win out to even tie for the fifth spot. So I, I don't want to hear that either. And also we have one game left with two days rest. I, I don't I don't agree with this decision. At all, I think Trey Young should have played. Even if you play him and start him, cut his minutes down to 18, 20 today, I, that would have been fine with me. I, I just, I don't, I don't agree with the decision to, to sit him. What about y'all? Uh, I mean, I'd have liked to see him play, and I mean, finish out the year, being able to finish every single game. But I'm not mad at the decision. I mean, I was, that was probably obviously the front office, and they was like, let's get this fifth spot locked up for sure. I mean. The chances of us losing that were very slim, but they probably just wanted to get it locked up. So I guess they just authority took his hand and made him rest. But I mean, he's done a lot for us. I mean, he he deserves a rest if he wanted to. I, he doesn't seem like a player that would want to sit out, but it is what it is. I, I actually, <clears throat> I don't see the point in it. Um, if you're going to cite, you know, rest or whatever, you would have sat them in other games. I mean, you've known for a long time that you're not a playoff contender. You could have sat them in plenty of other games and given them rest. So you didn't yeah, do that. You waited to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Why bring them in? They brought John Collins and, and yeah. Young when we were down forty the other night with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Right. That's that's another thing. That's and that's what I was about to say is you know then you bring them in in a different game late where still it doesn't matter, and so. Some part of me thinks that if this was kind of a a business decision, like are they are they just trying to make sure that he stays healthy, or do are they thinking they're going to go a different way based off of draft availability and maybe move him? Uh, I don't I don't know. They just want to keep him healthy. I mean, because with what two or three games, what how many games are left in the season? Just one. Just one game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's the point? Again, I don't I, – you wait till the last two games. Is he going to play tomorrow? Because that would be even dumber. I, or I, if he doesn't, then it kind of gives credence to what I said. If it's a business it's decision. got to be playing uh, Wednesday. And also, it is officially locked up now. There's no reason not to. We know what Jalen Adams is. It's not like we have to evaluate talent behind him. We know mm. what Jalen is. So I don't want to hear that one either. So I, I think he'll play Wednesday. He better play Wednesday because I will. Well, be that's there. what I'm saying. If he doesn't, though, does that give credence to the fact that the front office is making a business decision to ensure that he doesn't get injured if they want to use him as trade bait? Well, I, we would never. I, there's a better chance of a meteor striking down this second than uh, trading uh, 
quite young. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you think, there, Brett? No, oh, me. That was me. Yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, it made no sense to me. But yeah, there's one game after this one left in the season, and we just it made no sense to rest them three two days off after today, and just made zero sense to me. But I guess I understand. Well, I not even understand the move to be honest. So it's pointless. He could have played every game this year, like you said. I've been real cool for him to do that, but. I guess the coaches in the front office had different ideas about that. Yeah, you want to know the funniest part of all of it? The Hawks almost messed around and won. We only lost about <laughs> eight. It was about a three-point game with two minutes to go. Shout out Alex Lynn. Um, I saw that. 30 points, eight rebounds, six made threes, one for seven from the free throw line. So this man could have messed around and had 40 today. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he heard us talk. I think he's heard us talking about it. Man, if that man can get in the gym this summer and keep them – uh, like tack on his hands, he can be a decent center. He's he a good little player. And also, uh, more about Alex Lynn. You know, he had he had some good comments about playing with Trey Young the other day. He said, you know, it's very easy to play with Trey Young. So this also another thing to springboard off of. Uh, the Hawks are going to be a player in free agency, if not this summer, uh, summers to come. Players want to play with guards like Trey Young. Alex Lynn on Phoenix, you know, he was very underutilized. But look at Phoenix, who have their guards been? They've been very uh, happy guards. You know, Devin Booker, he's a guard, but he's not going to feed you. He's going to step out there and take that 35-footer. So, I don't know. Let's see. What do, what, what do y'all want to see Wednesday? I see Trey Young and John Collins play. 48 minutes each, right? <laughs> oh yeah, Trey, John Collins. I want to see that. I want to see Trey get fifty. See if he can get that this year. That'd be nice. But also, this one's we kind of carefree game. There's nothing in it for any of us to so just watch it out fun and just see what the young guys can do again. I want to see. So I just don't want them to be as flat as they were in the Orlando game. You know, no need in regressing before the start. You know, at the end of the season, the very last game. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep feeding, you know, the way you've been feeding ball movement. Um, try to get Alex Lynn's hands engaged somehow. Uh, give Herder his opportunities. Let Bays stay on the bench. And, you know, I mean, whatever you do, don't put Miles Plumley in. That's how I feel. He, he ended up having surgery finally after about missing. Did he? Homes. Yeah. Another one of those things that doesn't make any damn sense. Why do you wait till now and do it? Yeah, he sat the whole season, and now we decide. All right, let's let's give him surgery. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we can use his ex finally expiring contract and pair that with something, and uh, get that off our books. But <laughs> I think we have a better chance of just about anything else in the world. But I want to see Trey Young either. I want to see Trey Young either go for fifty or dish out twenty. Assist, you know, I just that that would be a very cool thing to see. But you know, it's crazy, crazy that it's over already. You know, it feels like the season mm -hmm. just began. It's been a very enjoyable season, uh, especially for me. You know, I came in with absolutely no expectations. Never did I think this team would even approach thirty wins. And that's always the key, though, right? 
if you don't have expectations, you're always pleasantly surprised. So hey, set 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 expectations on the basement, and you'll never be upset. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's what we I guess that's what we have to look forward to for next year, right? We'll just uh, hope to be in the basement, and then maybe we'll just do better. Well, I mean, you know, people are gonna people are gonna be expected playoffs, and like I said this earlier on my Twitter, I was like, we need to be careful not to place premature expectations on this team next year. Come in with an open mind, uh, come in hope for growth and development, and if we can challenge for that eighth spot, great. But we can't make that the expectation when we're gonna be dealing with a team that 10 players are rookies, sophomores, and third-year players. One last thing I want to add. Lloyd Pierce is the man. Philly oh. messed up letting that dude go. He is a perfect person to have at the helm uh, for, for where we're at right now with uh, this rebuild, if you want to call it that. Definitely a great guy. On to our Atlanta Braves. Since that 0-3 smiling, crying tiger start, <laughs> we are five and one. That late inning magic that we saw oftentimes last year has continued into this year. But there are some glaring holes on this team. Uh, definitely relief pitch, kitchen. Uh, will, I hear that uh, Craig Kimbrell still doesn't have a job. Yeah, will we cave in and sign him, guys? I mean, we need to sign something. This bullpen is it's like a circus every night when it comes out there. And every, I mean. Friday night we had a Vizcaino about give up a grand slam to get in the ninth inning, and then um, who was it? Mentor last night gave up two, two runs. runs. Yep, and then I didn't Sabaka can't today. find the strike zone. Sabaka Luke Jackson, ever since the first time he was put out there, finally looks pretty good. And then yeah, you he looks good now. You can't figure out who you want to be like no, and who you want to be like okay. It's, yeah, it's awful. There's no time, but yeah, Kimbrel's needed, but uh, at this point, I just won't. About another another name in the bullpen at this point. Just to see who else we can get in there. Yeah, I don't even know what actually is technically available right now in the free agency. But we went into the last off season knowing where we needed to upgrade if we wanted to contend with the high end teams that potentially you'll see in the NLDS and LCS. And we didn't. We didn't do it. And. That really, the only thing that you can hope for at this point is that they will sign a guy like Kimbrell, and that flushes out a little bit of the problems. I feel like when you when you make that statement in the back of your bullpen, that pushes Viz down to a setup guy, Mentor down to an old Venter's role, Venter's down below him, and then you have a long relief, and maybe a guy like Chad Sabatka pitches a little bit better and finds a strike zone when he's not in the wrong situation. Cause that's what it feels like almost a little bit that he's coming in in the wrong situations where he's not set up for success and being a young guy, even though he's like six, eight or whatever, and looks like a 40 year old man. Um, that's probably not the best for him. As far as mentor goes, I think he's probably going to struggle these first couple of starts. You just kind of, mm -hmm. it's one of those things like when you're, when you're watching basketball and stuff and you're seeing a guy struggle, uh, that's usually a good perimeter player or something like that. You got to shoot through it, and and it's the same way with the bullpen. These guys got to pitch through it. He's coming back from shoulder soreness after a car accident, and he's not used to being injured. It messed with his schedule, messed with his routine. So he's just got to he's just got to pitch through it, find the strike zone. This <laughs> I can't be understated. Strike zone. 
you got to limit the walks. They're killing us. Uh, the Viz thing with the bases loaded, I mean, he walked two of those guys to help load the bases, I think. So, you know, it's it's going to be a struggle. But, hell, five and one on the homestand, that, that's pretty damn nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. <laughs> Shout out to Tiger. You need Tiger. Uh, Tiger to come out after winning the Masters and throw out the first pitch. Hopefully. It'll be nice. <laughs> Shout out our guy Tiger Woods. Still doing it at the age of, what is he now, 40? <laughs> He's up there. For, for people who don't know, who, who wants to explain the Tiger situation with the Brits? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wants to do that one, Clark? <laughs> yeah, sure. <clears throat> Basically what happened is uh, – I think one of the guys for Talking Chop, and his name is uh, on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember right now. A couple of years ago, maybe like, God, I guess it was probably like 2014 or something. Uh, he found that picture of Tiger Woods. He's he's younger. It's an older picture. And he's smiling for the camera or whatever, but it looks like he's about to be in tears. And that pretty much for him kind of summed up where the Braves were at uh, through that point in the season that it was like, you smile through the tears or whatever. And, um, you know, that three-game skid in Philly, Bryce Harper's out there. It's like just one of those things where you just want to, like, smile to keep – laugh to keep from crying or whatever. And so uh, somebody suggested <clears throat> that he that he post that picture, and then all of a sudden we won. And so Braves Twitter being the glorious bunch of bastards that they are, um, <laughs> just uh, when, whenever um, the Cubs – posted the final score and the Braves had won every single one of those human beings posted that same picture of Tiger Woods. And if you scroll through the Twitter feed, it is, I mean, like a thousand plus and it's nothing but just those photos. And it was pissing Cubs fans off and that kept it going. Then they won again and then they swept. And then there's Tiger Woods memes with brooms all over them. And then, you know, they started, uh, the Marlins series and <laughs> we win the first game and everybody's just sitting around on Braves Twitter waiting for the Marlins to post the final score. And they like, wouldn't do it for like 25 minutes or so. And then the Spanish version of the Marlins posted it and they got hit up for like 350 meme photos in the first two minutes or something like that. Then they, de- then they, de- then they posted one on the regular Twitter and then they deleted it and posted it again. So it's just this big old, old mess. And then, you know, the Marlins beat us last night. So they got us back a little bit, I guess. I think they were posting like something about Phil Mickelson, but nobody cares about the Marlins and they only have nine followers. So it didn't really, it didn't really affect anybody. So uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool when, when things like that happen and you're part of it. Derek, what y'all got going on in uh, Cincinnati land? Y'all got any- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like I think they just already quit. I don't even think they play anymore. They they started the season off winning a game, and you know what? They haven't won a game since. So. <laughs> Unless they won, I don't think they won last night. I and I think they just lost again today. So yeah, living it up, you know, same old, same old every year. What do y'all think about this season so far? It's hard to get a grasp on it. Do you think they're underperforming? Are they about where you expected them? Are they exceeding your expectations? I don't you know. about like the season for MLB overall or the Braves? Oh, the Braves so far. I think I think they're overperforming given their bullpen. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. 
Because I mean, and had- the injury to Brian McCann—that's one thing that can't be overstated. Brian McCann getting injured is a big problem. Because something that I noticed over these last couple of starts: the Max Freed perfect game going through five innings, and then, <clears throat> uh, um, what's his name last night? Uh, Kyle Wright. McCann calls a a really good game for these guys, and I think he has a lot to do with. Um, the decisions that are made on game planning and things like that for these young guys based off of what he's seeing on these side sessions and, and warmups, even all the way up to pregame. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully his hamstring injury is not too bad. I think he went on the 10 day today and, um, you know, just have to keep him close in the bullpen so that he can relay whatever that information is to Alex Jackson, who in his defense caught a great game today, received the ball. Well, I think he called a good game. And uh, if he keeps McCann close to him and can find some offensive power, who knows what might happen. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, uh, I just wanted to give McCann a shout-out because I think he's doing really good with these young guys. Yeah, what do you what do you think, Brett? Has, how's this season been for you so far? I think it's gone as about expected because, you know, you knew the bullpen was going to be in it, a problem with that, no major additions to it or any additions to it whatsoever. And – but um, the I've been real impressed with the bats, and of course, I know talk about Danby Swanson. He's been he's on a, this swing the bat real well. He's comfortable at the plate again. I'm so that's going about as I expected from a record standpoint. But I'm I'm impressed with the offense, even though I do I do want to see a little more from Josh Johnson. But I fear it'll take him a little bit to kind of get in the groove a little bit again. Get make sure he is 100 percent healthy and all that. Oh, don't tell too sure that. <laughs> Uh, Donaldson's a waste of money. <laughs> and I know he's, you know, he's, he's playing some, um, flashing some good leather over there at third base so far this season. So he's playing awesome defense and actually yeah. he's hitting the hell out of the ball. He's just hitting yeah, the right two not, people. Yeah, not finding any holes. <clears throat> and then hopefully, you know, I, I think the Braves, this is about, you know, record wise, this is about where I thought we would be, but honestly, we're a few swings away from being about like one and six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a tight rope. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Dansby uh, Swanson, speaking of him, he's been huge this year. You know, I, I think some people were ready to give up on him if he didn't get, uh, make a big leap this year. So far, he's done that. What do, what do you think? It's all about consistency with Dansby, you know. He he's had flashes of this kind of stuff, and and again, you know, the healthy wrist. Who knows? He worked with Chipper Jones all off season, and that seems to show his stance is a little different. As a matter of fact, I've heard it a few times, and I even thought it myself. He looks like Chipper Jones standing in the right hand batter's box uh, quite a bit, and that's that's from even stance to follow through. So. Maybe there's something to be said there. I don't know that he's going to end the season with the 300 average, but I know his. I think his approach this year is not to try to go for 25 home runs, but more a 300 average with 14 or 15 home runs. Uh, but the the power's sneaky with him in, in this comfortable stance. He's just he's he's mashing it pretty good. And opposite field home runs. Um, uh, he got a game winner today, not a home run. Uh, he hit a home run today, but it wasn't the game winner. And then he got a game winning single. Um, so, uh, I, I just want to see some consistency from him so far. So good. But again, it's really early. Hell, it's not even through one full month yet. So, and we also, 
Oh, go ahead, Brett. I'll tell you, I agree with you said because we saw it in his rookie year. He had, or I guess his first stint up with the Braves, technically, I guess, um, that he swung the bat really well, and he looked like he was the future shortstop for us for sure. And then, of course, then he had his actual rookie year where he kind of hit a wall or something and then just couldn't seem to get it figured out a little bit. But now um, he seems to be back in the groove a little bit now. I swing the bat real well, looks comfortable, and uh, I'm excited for him. I think is that this is going to be a consistent thing for him down the line this year. Yeah, so we also we need to welcome the newest member of the $100 million club, Mr. Ronald Acuna. Um, I think a very good deal for the Braves. Uh, you know, it's still a good deal for Ronald Acuna. People are downright accusing the team of stealing. <laughs> but, you know, it's a long-term deal. You never know what could happen. He, financial um, security for himself and financial flexibility and security for the team as well. So I think it's a win-win for both sides. What do y'all think? Oh, yeah, it's, I feel it's a great deal for sure, obviously. For many reasons, because of Cunha, he's like a – he's showing flashes of being a once-in-a-generation type talent. And uh, you got a chance to be up there with the Mike Trouts of the game today. And, uh, of course, it's going to take a few years for him to get to that point. But um, this is a well-earned investment on both ends. But, like I said, it could end up being a steal down about three or four years we're looking at this deal like – this is the best deal and possibly all sports because he could be the best player in baseball within about three or four years of his skill set. So, but who knows? I mean, it works out for both sides of definitely for sure. Yeah. The Braves did a good job locking him down early. I knew it was coming early uh, pre-arbitration. I know they didn't want to go through that with him um, and have to have him in the off season negotiating, you know, what his market value is and things like that especially given what they think his talent ceiling is. Um, so good on the Braves there for getting that done well before arbitration. I didn't think they'd do it this season. I thought they'd do it next season or in the off season. Um, but getting it done early is getting it done early. And, uh, you know, I think basically it's uh, 10 years <clears throat> and a little over $100 million if, if the two team options go through. Otherwise, it's an eight-year deal. And I fully expect this to not be uh, fully sought uh, I, I'm sure that they'll re-extend again in about four or five years just to probably get them more along market value and then extend some of those years in the AAV. But uh, it's really – I felt like Acuna was getting fleeced when I first heard it. Like, whoa, not even 200 for the guy? But then also he hasn't really proven anything. One season, and he's just got a really high ceiling. So I get that too, and he was really happy with it when I saw him on the uh, – on the press conference, he's basically in tears. He was so happy. So, you know, I, I think it was a, a fair deal then on both sides, if that's how he feels. Yeah. Um, so the Alliance of American football field, football field, <laughs> football <laughs> league is dead. Rest in peace. Uh, last what a mess. <laughs> There's all kinds of horror stories coming out of 
people not getting paid and all kinds of things like that, which you never want to see. Um, players having to find their own way home, deal with their injuries. So what a what a what a horrible ending to the mess. Uh, I think the only thing that went right for them was the TV ratings because that's how much America loves football any sort. Um, you know, of course, here in Atlanta, the legends are awful. I don't think anybody cares that they're gone. But, you know, cities like San Diego, who finally got a taste of football back, and, you know, better supported teams like the Birmingham Iron, the Orlando Apollos, and I don't know, Memphis Express, I don't know if they were supported well, but I'm sure they were supported more than the Atlanta team was. You know, they're going to feel it a little bit, but does does anybody care? <laughs> you know, does, any, does anybody care that the Alliance of American Football League is gone? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I stopped watching because Atlanta was so bad. Again, I'm so just interested in it. But, um, but, but I mean, I do kind of feel for the players because that's some of them, that was their last opportunity to show what they can do. So I do kind of feel bad for them, but and they got done so dirty. God, they did having to dirty. pay for your own hotel rooms, find your own flights mm-hmm. home. That's some that's some shisty shit right there. Mm-hmm. And like, I was never on really board with Atlanta's version of the AAF anyway, because I thought the legends just the jerseys and the colors like it was all shitty. Like I don't know, it just looked so. I mean, it did, man. It just looked so like it looked like secondhand. Like brought to you by Goodwill. Uh, the Atlanta <laughs> Legends here in uh, <clears throat> their cousin's uniform from two years ago. I think wasn't Starter who made the uniforms? Like I don't know starter. the last time I saw a Starter jacket, guys. Come on now. Oh, that was a Starter jacket. Nineteen ninety-eight. Oh wait, wait. Oh wait, look. There it is. There it is, oh, Phil. The old, the old school Atlanta Hawks Starter jacket. <laughs> I think it. Those these uh, jackets are probably the only good thing Starter ever made. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I never really got on board with the AAF. I ne- it never really consumed any of my time, but I do feel really bad for the players that just got, man, just done so dirty. Yeah, so hopefully uh, the players, you know, they get there. I mean, I can't even say sue. Who are you going to sue? So <laughs> who do you sue when the when – the, have no money, so I don't know. Um, are we looking out there on the campus of Georgia Tech? By by the way, the most beautiful campus uh, on the face of this earth. I'm That's right. War Eagle. <laughs> I, w- I was on Auburn this past week. I said I do love Auburn. Auburn's campus. It's gorgeous, especially when there's toilet paper in the trees. <laughs> I got to see the, the premature toilet paper rolling a little bit of it, so... We got to stop using that word premature on this show, guys. All right. Listen, Brett, just give your damn recruiting thing. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, Tech's recruiting is really, it's taken off. We just got our first ever, technically, first ever five star, even though it was a transfer. It was a five star coming out of high school. And I came in, Antonius Clayton Jr. It was. Um, Wasn't he, didn't he used to be a Juco guy or something? Or he was a previous five star from somewhere else? No, he went. He he went to Florida out of high school. He got hurt. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. He got hurt. So yeah, and uh, he, we got him over here. And uh, he's, I don't know if he's all thing able to play immediately, but who knows? But with all these, um, they're just handing out waivers left and right now. But we got him. We got a, um, another commit the same day, an offensive lineman commit. And our class is actually on depending on where you look on two four seven is actually number twenty two in the country for twenty twenty class. Which would be 
by that's, far the highest we've finished. Yeah, oh yeah. You guys haven't been ranked in the top twenty-five in ten years. Oh yeah, it's been since the last time Collins was here, actually, when he was a recruitment coordinator. But and then we have our, our actual real high school commit. We have our highest one of those since 2000 or highest rate defensive back committed i should say since 2007 when morgan burnett came to us so we got him from miles brooks from trinity christian and uh so collins really got they i saw someone say he kind of woke up a sleeping giant in a way the way he's kind of getting these recruits over here now and uh basketball wise we actually got our first commit for the class which finally i got one at santi price He's supposed to be a real good, capable shooter, so we'll see how that works out. But, yes, things are doing looking much brighter over there on Tech now than they did a year ago at this time. Good, good. The city's better place where Georgia Tech is one of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta United off this week. Thank God I needed a break. <laughs> um, so did they. <clears throat> we got the New England Revolution next week in New England. Look, if we don't win that, I don't know how much longer we're going to see Frank DeBoer. That is a must win, not a must draw. That is a must win. For Do you think LA. it's time to panic? Um, Nah, because this, this, this season is so incredibly long and so many teams make the playoffs in MLS that we could we could sleepwalk until July and probably be able to sneak into the playoffs. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's way too early to be – pressing the panic button, but this is definitely a must win. They have got to they have got to do something. Put I something score, on the gotta score some goals. <laughs> they just gotta look like a team. They don't look they look discombobulated and fractured almost. It's like, you know, get you know, it's funny. When I hear Frank DeBoer talk too, I start thinking like, man, y'all didn't even know what you had in Tata. Good God almighty. That dude is so responsible for some of that success, and it's it's just showing now. I think I think Frank is a lot responsible for what's going on. I, I think uh, didn't uh, in the last game they switched from a four three four to a four four three or something like that. Yeah, they switched back to the to the that brought us much success last year. Yeah, and they looked a lot smoother there at the end. So I, I hope he sticks with that. They're not creating chances. Uh, and they're not converting on the chances we get. <clears throat> you know, we have had two games, you know, not to make excuses, we've had two games in absolutely deplorable weather, but the other sides have gotten it done, D.C. and uh, Columbus. Well, that's what I was going to say. They were both able to score two goals apiece, right? So what do you do? Granted, those are both away games, too, so they yeah. have the upper hand there, and you say that it's given away, you know, you probably give or take two goals uh, in an away game. So, like, yeah, I mean, you just got to start getting it done. Defense didn't look good against the crew, but then again, nothing did because it was ba- they were playing on a lake. They just were missing skis. Man, and uh, shame on the crew fans. Uh, I just want to say that. Uh, you know, we ran this huge campaign league-wide save save our crew, um, and they're still struggling to bring out 10,000 games. Uh, come on now, <laughs> go support your club. <laughs> but there's been a few hot topics flying around the Twitterverse this week. Um, so if, if the Hawks get, let's say we end up with the number two pick, um, John Morant is widely expected to go number two. Ooh, that's a, a small point guard like Trey Young. So 
wouldn't exactly make sense to draft it. Would you trade that number two pick? Uh, let's start Absolutely. with you, Dave. Uh, yeah, I think I think it would, if the Suns don't get the first pick, because I think the Suns might actually do something right for once, and they might go ahead and just go ahead and get Morant at the number one if they ended up with the one number one pick. But if we do land at number two, I think the most logical thing is to trade and try to get other assets because, I mean, Shellick, he, um he runs off of the best player available, and Morant is probably – the best player available, but we don't need him on the team. I mean, the type of style that he plays, he couldn't play off ball. And then, I mean, obviously, Trey Young isn't going to play off ball because if I will, we've seen him run offense. So it definitely needs to happen if we end with the number two pick. So I think we're in a really good situation because, I mean, great. We get the number one pick. We have Zion. I mean, that's perfect. And then we get the number – if we get the number two pick, I mean – we can do a lot with it because a lot of teams like the Bulls and the Suns are going to want Morant and they could throw a lot of assets to us and make us even better. Let me ask just for clarification. Are we talking about trading the number two pick, two pick for other picks from whoever we trade with? Or are we talking about the same sort of Trey Young Doncic situation where we pick a pick for them and swap out? Well, all of them technically are like that since the, uh, the, the new league year doesn't start until – Okay. So technically, the other team would still be selecting, just like the other when we traded um, uh, Jeff Teague for the number twelve pick. The Jazz technically selected Torian Prince, and then we got him later. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, I've been down this road. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it doesn't really make sense. To take a guy like John Morant, I, I, I've said this before off air. Um, they're both guys that need the ball in their hands, and you can't have that. You can't have that conflict on the court because it takes away from the ability of what both of them do well, and that's control the court. You know, f- from their position, and that's what they're supposed to do. That's literally their position. So uh, I don't know that they. I think they would clash. Um, so if John Morant's the number two guy, which it by all accounts seems he should be, then yeah, uh you have to have to consider trading for sure. I'll tell you what I would do. I'd call up Washington. I'd be like, look, John Wall ain't coming back next year. You know that, right? Um here's the number two pick. Here's some expiring contracts. Let us get Bradley Bill. Being like here's number two, here's Baysmore. Here's Plumley. I don't know what you want with him. Let's get uh, let's get Bill down here in Atlanta. That's what I would do. What you think, Brett? I don't know about that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, I, I'm still have a question about Bradley Bill. But I mean, what I mean, what it hurt. But we do. But I do say we do get the number two pick. I'm trading it for sure because I'm not. John Grant will be the best player available, and but there would also be argument can take R.J. Barrett, but I'm just not an R.J. Barrett fan now for some reason. I really have Jarrett Culver over R.J. Barrett just for from Hawks standpoint, the best fit for him. But yeah, if we get the number two pick, I'd definitely say trade it, get some more assets for the future, and go go with that. Now. Paul Pierce set the world on fire the other day by saying he had a better career 
than the one and only Dwayne Wade. Paul, why you got to do that? And who will unfortunately be playing his last game this week? The Heat are not going to make the playoffs. But does anybody, does anybody here think that Paul Pierce had a better career than Dwayne Wade? If you do, you're five. Just know that. Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. Absolutely not. It's, it's not. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's a debate. Like that's not. There's Paul nothing. Pierce needs to shut the hell up. <laughs> I mean, Paul Pierce was a good player. I mean, he was great. Yeah. Yeah, D Wade. That's just a whole another story. I mean, he's Paul up Pierce there was with also top guys. Product of the system and the people he was playing around at the time. I mean. Kevin Garnett and Rajon Rondo in his prime. Come on, man. Like, don't even – it's not even – it's bullshit. <laughs> and it's, it's really – it's disrespectful to Dwayne Wade, who's on his way out right now, to even try and make this claim at all. Like, Paul Pierce, I mean, he he's done this multiple times. He he's said something else. He's just so bitter because, yep. I mean, like Draymond said, they don't love you like that. I mean – no one really cared when he, I mean, besides Celtics fans, when he retired, I mean, it wasn't no big party, no farewell tour, nothing like that. And I think he's just still bitter about that. And he's trying to prove his case. Yeah. I, I just think it's <laughs> Paul Pierce gets a lot of hate, but then he does stuff to bring it on himself. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel bad for him. Cause I mean, he, yeah, he's great, but you're saying stuff like that, so that makes people mad, and then so they're just they're downgrading you. I seen something on Twitter. I mean, this is ridiculous, but someone said that uh, Draymond Green is uh, better than Paul Pierce. So yeah, wow, wow, that's where the line has to be. Yeah, the line will be drawn right there. See, yeah, they said. I don't know what. What is it? That their reasoning was that the only thing Paul Pierce is better at than Draymond is scoring the basketball. That's probably true. <laughs> but I the that I margin there is wide, though. Yeah. A wide margin there, though. Um, I haven't liked Paul Pierce since that series. I forgot what, what year it was when he kneeled on the Hawks court, whatever, around the logo. Yeah, I, I have not liked him since then. They did all that just to lose the series. Yep. You hate to see that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. Oh, man. <laughs> Good old Paul Pierce. Well, let's get into some questions from the fans. Uh, and also, every week, we want you guys to send us your questions. You can DM them to me or Derek or the ATL Sports HQ page or at one of us. You know, just find a, find a way to contact us with your question, and we'll answer it live on air. So, fan asked us, who would you like the Hawks to draft with the Dallas pick if we get it? So likely within the six to nine range. Let's start with you, Derek. Um, me personally, if it's somewhere like the six to nine, um, if he he does, if he falls this far, uh, I would like to get Jared Culver because I think we need another wing, a three, and um, I mean it's kind of deep this year for wings, and um, he he's has an impact on both sides of the floor. And I think he's a better shooter than most of the threes that are in like the top 10. And he can play and, defense. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's long and he can play defense at the NBA level. I think 
and he can create his own shot. And I think that's going to be big for the Hawks. Um, another person I would think would probably be around the six to ten. Uh, Cameron Reddish, he'll be around there. I think he'll be would be solid for the Hawks. And uh, there's a few centers, but I just don't think if the pick is anywhere from the six to ten range. I mean, we. I don't think that there is enough to take one. I don't think there's someone that stands out that well. Yeah, I'd I'd go with like DeAndre um, Hunter, maybe Nasir Little, Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big man from uh, Texas is kind yeah, of yeah. But say Jackson Eight, I like him. He's I, I just I, I I don't I don't know. You know it's he's so got hard. holes in his game though. Yeah, it's a big risk to take it's, him that high. I think. I, yeah, I it was going to say it's it's kind of a it's kind of a high risk maybe a high reward situation if you mm-hmm. take him. I mean, he has a, a chance to fizzle out in the G League. So he's just got a lot of growing up to do, and he's young, and I don't know, man. But we're not at that point yet where I think we can just take risks. We need no fire guys who can come in here. We need depth, too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't forget, we can address the depth that the Hawks need um, from the bench and stuff like that and, and slow play these guys in this system with Lloyd Pierce and, and everybody uh, through the draft. I mean, you can do that. Um, and I agree with what Derek said. Um, maybe Cam, maybe Jarrett. You just don't know. Six to nine is a big range, and you just don't know who's going to fall where. I doubt that Jarrett falls lower than six. Um, so if we're lower than six, he's probably not available. Um, Cam, maybe, because he's just not really had a good tournament. Uh, <clears throat> and it's kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation when when you're talking about the NBA draft because usually it's a lot of one-and-dones up at the top in the lottery. And uh, so you just don't have a, a greater body of work to, to go off of when you're evaluating their talent level. And, you know, what better time to evaluate than when they're playing against top talent, you know, likely uh, um, likewise seedings and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know. It really it really depends on where that um, draft pick falls in that six to nine range. But, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying. I just don't think I'd take a center. I don't think there's a good enough one. Yeah, uh, there's not a lottery center in this in this uh, draft class. Yeah, bubble. Oh, Bobo, Manute Bolson. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm good on him in the lottery. I mean, I don't see it. I don't see it. he's an, he's another one of those guys. I think. I mean, he's a project, and it's it's a. Bridge. I don't think he's athletic enough. Yeah, he's and he's. Kind I don't of, think he has the body for it. He's going to get beat up down there on the defensive end. Yeah, he's not. He's not strong enough to guard your typical big like. Embiid or some of these guys is dominating at the five position in the NBA right now. It, it's a Maybe. different league too. You can't just get boards and then you're a good center. Like you have to do so much more. Like, I mean, Shaq would probably still make it in this league in his prime, oh, but absolutely. not in his later years. I don't think he wouldn't be able to guard anybody. They would just no. run. They would run a. Like They're a, too fast. Like even like a or someone who shoot. They would even run like a Brook Lopez out there. He wouldn't be able to like. Stay with him, or or like uh, what's his name over in uh, OKC? His name is escaping me right now. Adam Adams. Adams. Yes, thank you, thank you. He's he's 
playing out of his mind, by the way. He, he's, he's great. He mm-hmm. is so athletic for his size, man. He, he plays, he plays like he was, he, like he grew up as a smaller type person and then just all of a sudden was seven feet tall or whatever he is. You know right. what I mean? Like he yeah. has quick feet. He's always in the right spot. He has good handle even. He moves the ball well. He, he takes a pass well. He, he's, he's one of the most improved players if I'm makes, giving it out. Yeah, he makes a lot of the hustle plays. And, I mean, he just is his bully ball down there for him. Uh, who is a current NBA star that would fit great alongside Trey Young and John Collins? <laughs> I, I'll this, go ahead first. I'll say everybody. Any star. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna get too picky on the star. We have apparently we need to be a take what we can get uh, city, according to T Mac. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But but this kind of goes in line a little bit with what the first question. Um, So where I would not take a number five from this draft class because I don't believe there's a lottery five available. Someone that does fit that will be a free agent at the five spot, and I said it earlier in the show is Vucevic. And I would love to have that doubles doubles machine, uh, be, double doubles machine, because he is athletic. He can guard the perimeter. He can shoot from the perimeter. He has a very nice uh, post presence, and uh, you know he can get the boards. So <clears throat> it would be a good deal. I don't know that he's actually gonna leave Orlando. That's the problem. But <laughs> if we could get him away from there, man, with a good draft pick. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I just uh, that'd be nice. That's it, he. I think he would be a great fit. And then obviously, if you could get a guy like KD or something like that. But I think a lot of different things have to change uh, in order for that to happen. Like if you're trading the number two pick and John Collins for Zion and all this other kind of stuff, then maybe you have enough star power to bring a guy like KD in here. And then that God, that would be nuts. But uh, <clears throat> I, I don't. I don't think they're there yet for that kind of free agent. And Kyrie's, uh, I don't know what's going on with him and Boston. It just seems like a fractured relationship. And it seems like the same thing that happened in Cleveland, if I'm honest. Like, I, f- I felt like when he was in Cleveland, that was LeBron's doing because LeBron was always treating him like his little brother, and he hated that. That's what I felt. Um, but, you know, that's just from the outside looking in. Now I see it's kind of happening in, in Boston as well, and they pretty much just – I mean, that just looks terrible, that relationship with them and the coach. He basically calls out uh, Brad, whatever his name is, on a daily basis these days. and I don't know. So I, I don't know what Kyrie's going to do, but I doubt he's coming to Atlanta. Any hey, Anyone else on that? Um, yeah, I, well, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I got to say, I think Clay Thompson is just the perfect fit. He's not a ball-dominant player. Keeps trade on young, have the, have the ball on his hands the majority of the time. An elite shooter have her on one side, Young at the top, and you have Clay in the other corner. I mean, John Collins sent pick and rolls. It's, I think that'll just be a deadly offense. Another name I, I don't know how good of a fit it would be or how realistic it is, but maybe DeAndre Jordan. Great, he's a good defender. Big, he's always getting props for how good of a screener he is. He's a and terrible a, free throw shooter, though. Terrible free throw shooter, big time terrible, but. Another lob partner for Trey Young is just throw up some crazy passes to let him just slam it in there. But, he's uh, got really long arms. All he's got to do is mm-hmm. just stand there and put it in. Pretty much. Yep. 
But yeah, those those are two guys. I feel like they'll be the be- best fits. But of course, you can't. I won't turn down Kevin Durant if he wanted to come up here either. So. Yeah. Um, now this summer, would the Hawks be better off signing a star, or just signing some pieces uh, around our young core that could add some defense? I I gotta go with. I gotta say, if you have a chance to land a star, you have to do it because those chances don't come around every day. Uh, like let's say we had the chance to make a trade to land a star, we got to do it. Uh, just like uh, what I the trade I always reference when when uh, talking about trading for stars, like the Harden trade. If you see a situation where a team is in a, a flimsy situation and they might have to let go of one of their stars, you got to pounce on that. You know, you, you everything else will figure itself out. Stars. Don't grow on trees in the NBA. So you got to do what you got to do. But in all likelihood, we will probably be signing some decent pieces, some underrated pieces. Uh, I'll reference back to uh, Paul Millsap in 2013. That was a great value signing. And we also, we got to get some dogs. We got to get some defense in here. I don't want to see us giving up nine points again. Yeah, I think. I mean, you never, especially from a signing, like free agency standpoint, you're never going to say no to a star. I mean, signing to us. And I mean, really, it's anybody. I mean, there's really no one that you would say no to. But I mean, more likely, like you said, Phil, I mean, I see us getting a few guys that's going to help the team get some more uh, role players that come off the bench. And then hopefully we feel the needed defense <clears throat> throughout the draft and our, with our hopefully first two picks in the lottery so yeah that's i mean but the star wants to come i mean we're in a situation finally where we have an opportunity to get a star i mean people want to play with trey like you said i mean we've seen the love that he's gotten and how he's made people better so we actually have a chance we have the money to do it and i mean we really don't have a huge huge name so a star could go there and be the face of the team sort of so i think we have a chance this question is actually a little difficult for me because it it it, it kind of is asking uh, if should we sign a star or sign some other pieces around our core that add defense, and both of those seem to be moves within the current NBA already. Not necessarily are we signing a free agent or are we making these moves in the draft. So for me, it's probably going to be the answer: uh, whatever best fits this plan and what's available. And by that, I mean, <clears throat> like you guys said, sure, there's free agents available. Are they really available, though? Or are they just about to re-sign with their teams or whatever? Mm-hmm. Are they looking for some ridiculous contracts like Katie probably is? I mean, sure, yes, we have some money. But if I get down to the brass tacks of what this is asking is, should we spend that money on one guy? Or could we flex that into two guys that <clears throat> aren't necessarily – have that same star power, but bring a better fit and better defense to this team. And I would say, yeah, we should, because another thing that they need to address is depth. And uh, I think San Antonio Spurs and their long runs of playoffs and, and, uh, and championships would tell you depth is the key along with defense. And, and <laughs> that Orlando game is a, a sore thumb for us right now. Cause we weren't playing any defense. 
And I guess if that's the one knock on Trey, it's like, you know, he's not going to be banging anybody down on the paint trying to block the ball, right, because he just can't get up that high. So, yeah, we do need some defense. Uh, like Brett said earlier, Clay Thompson would be a great fit if possible. Um, he's in the right stage of his career. He's had plenty of experience uh, at the highest level of basketball and won championships. He's a great defender, a plus shooter from the perimeter. Uh, I think I think he would just fit right in. Um, so that would be that would be my number one there for for a guy if you're if you're talking about um, that position being filled or whatever. But uh, you know it's, it's really just going to have to shake out. Um, I'm sure they have some sort of base plan in place, but it's just going to be what it is. It's, it's just going to have to shake out the way it does. Whatever free agents end up popping to certain places, and then, you know. Also, the other thing is, some of these free agents are, are in our own division. We got to find out, like, are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Will we compete more? Like Phil mentioned earlier, losing John Wall, the Wizards are not going to have him all next season. That's a big deal. What are they going to do with Beal? Are they going to try to move him, blow it up, and and move on? Because they've really just destroyed any chances at this point of maximizing their opportunities to get a championship in Washington, which is fine with me. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Uh, it just depends on the star and who those pieces would be. I, I don't know. Maybe if you had some names that you could give in the next question uh, and be a little bit more specific about what pieces you thought were available that could add defense, then maybe we could be a little bit more helpful in our answer. But hopefully that kind of breaks it down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you go, Brett. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but, yeah, we're, this is kind of a, sort of a similar situation, like you mentioned earlier, with Paul Millsap. Uh, we, had, we got Paul Millsap, and we signed Demari Carroll, and those two guys ended up being key peaches of a 60-win team a couple years later. So there's a couple different ways to go about this. So speaking of Demari Carroll, he is a free agent in this year. But I don't know definitely the type of player he used to be. But, uh, yeah, it depends on – there are two guys I would probably go after um, before I sign core guys. That's Clay Thompson and – Kevin Durant, like you already said. But we can't get either one of those guys. I definitely see the better option is trying to fill out the roster pieces that are going help, to help boost our defense and stuff like that. So that's, that's the way I would go about it. Yeah. And uh, one last question. Do we think the Hawks have a chance at Clay Thompson? I think, um, I think we have as good a chance as anybody to get Clay Thompson, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. Got to remember that Schlenk connect is there. And mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of times these players have better um, connections with who was the assistant GM than who was the main GM. Uh, Schlenk, of course, for those who don't know, was assistant GM in Golden State for a very long time. So, you know, they're more in the everyday day-to-day -day things than the main GM who is more, you know, behind the computer screen trying to get things done. So I really think those kind of relationships go a long way. I wouldn't be shocked out of this world to see Clay Thompson here in, in Atlanta, uh, in an Atlanta uh, uniform. Um, that would just be, that, I mean, that that is a perfect fit. <laughs> For both sides, I think it's just a perfect fit. I absolutely love to see that. And I think uh, Clay could come here and average like 25, 30 points a game and be all NBA 
superstar. I, I, I really think so. And it wouldn't take away from anyone else either. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Like it would be, like you said, I mean, it would be a perfect fit. It would fit his game. It fits what Trey does. It fits what John's already doing. Uh, the steps forward that Alex is making and depending on who you get in the draft plus herder. I mean, yeah, it gives you a good chance and his defense is elite. So, and like you said, I mean, I, I think we do have as good a chance as anybody, I guess. And, uh, if he feels the same way we do about his fit and would be okay coming to the East coast, uh, I don't know. I think it, I think it would be a win-win for both sides. Um, yeah, we, obviously, uh, just like you mentioned, Phil, with the Schlink connection, I, that's what I was saying for a while, that having Schlink here is going to give us a real chance that Clay Thompson is even more of a real chance that Kevin Durant decides to stay in Golden State and Clay's going to want to – I don't know if he, that'll actually benefit or not, but I think, it, I think it would benefit us if Katie stayed in Golden State. That would give Clay Thompson uh, more, more reason to leave and have some more freedom. And be more of a have a bigger role in the offense of a point guard. Of, a, of course, he's not Steph Curry or anything, Trey Young, but still a similar skill set to Steph Curry with the passing ability and stuff like that, and ability to stretch the floor. Are you there? I mean, yeah. I mean, we have a chance. I mean, I I I don't want to be a biased fan and say we're going to get him or something, but I mean, I think. We have a chance, and it might not be a huge one, but you never know. You take the risk, and, I mean, you get a meeting with him, and you might be able to convince him. You might put something on the table that uh, makes him like it a lot, and, I mean, it's Atlanta. I mean, it's hard to turn down when you get a great opportunity for it, especially the team, what the situation we're in, like I've said before. So, I mean, there's definitely an opportunity there, and, I mean, it's one of the best opportunities we've, we've had of signing someone with a name like that in a long time. So I think there's definitely a possibility. You can only be patient and, and watch. And I mean, for me, I, this is the most excited I've been uh, coming off a season. You know, I can't wait to get back to next October. I can't wait for summer league. I can't wait for the draft. I'm nervous as hell for, uh, for lottery ball night. And we still got about another month for that. But, man, it's a great time to be an Atlanta sports fan. It's a great time to be a Hawks fan. And it's a great time to come join HS Sports HQ. You know, come right for us. We got plenty to talk about. You know, if you always wanted to express your, your sports thoughts and never really had a, a place or knew how to do it, Come on over. We can we can guide you along. You know, you don't need any kind of experience. You don't need any kind of uh, done this before. It, all you have to do is have the passion and have the desire. You know, we all come here. We have fun, so we can we can help you. We can help you with your dreams or uh, develop a new hobby. So, so come join ATL Sports AQ. Hit any one of us up, and we'll get you started. So. Um, and I definitely I want to shout out to you know, everybody who's always supported us, uh, everyone who's been rocking with us since day one. I think we're going on uh, year year four since uh, we started Hawks Talk, and of course it's grown and become this beautiful thing that it is today. So definitely stay with us, and um, 
who else y'all want to shout out start with you derek uh, yeah definitely everyone that uh listens every time uh, especially after our little break we had i think we, what, we had two week break but we'll be back consistent again and we'll be here every sunday uh, also magic also just uh clinched their first playoffs appearance since Dwight Howard. So shout I'll out to Orlando. <laughs> shout out to their crowd. They were, they were they were in it. They were in it Friday. What about you, Brad? Who you shouting out? You got the trackers back there. You want to shout them out? <laughs> uh, I am. I do got a shout out. Jason Aldean. I know he's won some awards <laughs> here in the ACMs. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, but, um, yeah, I um, shout out all the viewers and uh, listeners of the show. And uh, I got to shout out my boys, Gerald and Blake. They told me they'll be watching tonight, so I want to shout them out. Nice. Yeah, uh, I don't really ha- – shout out to Dwight Howard. You know, the, the house that <laughs> Dwight built is finally going back, man, you know. And, uh, God, Orlando is su- such a shitty city. Uh <clears throat> Good for them. They needed something in their life that, that they could look forward to. Um, anytime Atlanta United plays them, we're probably going to destroy them, so that's fine. No, nah, we're going to lose this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we are because I said something. Um, no, shout out to all you guys for uh, following and listening along. Appreciate you uh, um, bringing me into the family here. It's, it is really easy, just like Phil said. If you have a passion, you want to do it, then do it. I've never done this before, and here I am. Um, the writing is is – is pretty easy you know you can get it edited up if you want to so just uh try to try to be a part of the team if you want to and uh we're here and definitely uh be sure to be on the lookout i promise i will have some sign up links or something ready for hooping with hawks talk edition two uh it will happen this time (laughs) uh june 1st central park i believe june 1st maybe not june 1st i don't know uh, it's coming. It's coming soon. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Check us out. Make sure you upvote us, subscribe, like, give us five star on iTunes. We'll have that iTunes link coming for you sometime early this week. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers to come check out ATL Sports AQ. Y'all have a great evening. We'll be back with you same time, same place next Sunday. Have a good night.